You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Recently, I was reminded of the salesman who made famous the phrase, but wait, there's more. Can you remember the uh, steak knives that would come free with your purchase of saucepans? Our gospel today is a bit like that. It would seem that uh, John intended to finish his gospel at chapter 20 with these beautiful words. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life In his name. A fitting conclusion to this gospel where light and life and belief in Jesus are major themes. However, chapter 21 is more than just the steak knives, it's more than just a hook to get us in, nor is it an afterthought or even an epilogue to the gospel. But John is wanting to clear up a couple of other issues that are left hanging in his account and which need to be clarified for the early church, the early Christians, and so he added this further encounter of Peter's and his own with Jesus. John wanted to let his readers and us know what happened to shift Peter from being a denier of Jesus to being a leader in the church? And also, what did it mean for John when Jesus seemed to imply that he wouldn't die before Jesus returned? But I want to begin a little earlier in the story than the part that uh, Lorraine has just read for us. So what's been going on? If you listen carefully to the... uh, A children's story, you might know an answer to that question. What's been going on? Well, Jesus had appeared to his disciples and to many others in the days between his resurrection and ascension. And last week, we heard about Thomas's personal encounter with Jesus. But this whole experience of the reappearance of Jesus must have been so difficult for all the disciples, not just Thomas, but for all the disciples to get their head around. And if we are honest, it's not that easy for us to understand either. How could they and us conceive of a risen Jesus in a body that was both natural and supernatural at the same time? entering locked rooms and disappearing from a dining table. On the other hand, a living miracle worker, prophet, is one thing. But a person raised from the dead who still has his scars of torture, that's something else again. And Peter could well be the most perplexed of them all having denied Jesus. But let's not forget that they all abandoned Jesus at the most crucial moment of his trial and execution. Only John, it seems, was present at the cross. 
So Peter's response to this dilemma is to simply say, well, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. What might lie behind that statement? Well, perhaps Peter was saying, this is all too much for me. I need some time out. I need some me time, as my granddaughter put it recently. I need to clear my head and get my thoughts straight. And what better thing to do than to go fishing? Or maybe he thought that the whole Jesus thing had been a mad dream and that it was all finished. So he was returning to what he knew best, fishing. This was his reality, hard work and earning an honest living by the sea. Perhaps we too can be perplexed by our Christian life and the demands that are put upon us. We blithely sing the song, Trust and Obey. But is, is it always that easy? Oh, that it was. Now that we didn't find ourselves caught up in a myriad of things that divert our attention and even lead us to deny Jesus. If you, as I do, think like this, then we are in good company. None other than St Paul refers to himself as a wretched man, longing to be free from his sinful nature and knowing only too well that the things he wants to do he doesn't and the things he doesn't want to do he does. So what do we do then? We find something to divert ourselves. Metaphorically, we go fishing. Do we even get to a point where we wonder if faith in Jesus doesn't matter? When Peter said, I'm going fishing, seven other disciples, including John, decided to go with him. Despite being professional fishermen, they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus appears and commands them to throw their nets on the right side of the boat and immediately the net was filled with fish. And I'm sure that this would have reminded them, and especially Peter, of their first encounter with Jesus when he called them to be his disciples. In this passage, it's John who recognises Jesus first, but it is Peter who immediately responds pausing only to get dressed before plunging overboard to go to Jesus. Whatever shame and sorrow Peter experienced with his earlier failure, it seems to disappear in that rush to be with Jesus. Jesus welcomes all of them to sit around the fire and to eat some fish together. A lovely, normal scene of shared hospitality. Whatever awkwardness that might have existed in the group was dispelled by Jesus' presence, but there is still work to be done. 
Taking Peter aside, Jesus deals caringly and lovingly with him, but not avoiding the issue when he asks Peter, do you truly love me more than these? What or who is Jesus referring to when he says more than these? Is it his fishing life that he seems so keen to return to? Or is it his disciples who by now had become close friends? Was Jesus challenging Peter to identify himself as a disciple and not as a fisherman? Do you love me more than these? Notice the words that Jesus uses for love. Agape, which we translate as love, this Greek word. And it includes ideas of loyalty and duty, showing allegiance to. The kind of love we used to declare at school when we said on Monday mornings, I love God and my country, I honour the flag and serve the Queen, cheerfully obey my parents, teachers and the law. That kind of love. Jesus asks, do you love me more than this? And Peter responds with philia, a love that is all those things, but it's also laced with emotion and deep caring and intimacy. Jesus responds with the command, then, if you love me like this, tend my lambs. Show them that love and care and compassion. Jesus puts the question a second time using that same language, that same agapo. And Peter reiterates with his filial love for Jesus. And Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. A third time, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And this time, Jesus uses the close, intimate form that Peter has been answering with. These three questions and the language used are clearly linked with Peter's three earlier denials of Jesus and they seem to clear the air and reinstate Peter's relationship with Jesus. Jesus is expecting both agape and filio love from Peter and indeed from all his followers, including us. Jesus is expecting loyalty, duty, showing allegiance as well as deep love, care and compassion. Not only is Peter reinstated, he's commissioned for service. And Jesus prophesies over Peter what his future would be. If Peter was to be a good shepherd of the sheep and guardian of the lambs, then he would suffer as the great shepherd has. And we know that that's what Peter went on to do and to be. Just as Jesus has called Peter earlier, he says to him again, follow me. You've declared your love for me above all these, then leave all that behind you 
and follow me. John was keen that his first believers and for us to learn how Peter was reinstated and how he went on to become the outspoken leader of the early church in Jerusalem that we know. The one who could model himself on the true shepherd of Israel. And John also wants to clear up the rumour regarding misunderstanding that he should not die. But clearly he was getting older and would one day die and so he was at pains to point out that uh, what Jesus meant when he said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? John says Jesus was telling Peter that he, Jesus, is still sovereign and that Peter's role is to follow and not to worry about John. And that's what John wanted his readers to know as well, that Jesus is Lord and our allegiance is to him. So what of us? What if Jesus was to say to you and to me today, do you love me more than these? Do you really love me? Is our relationship with Jesus one that calls for loyalty and obedience matched with deep emotion, love and care and faith and trust? Is our identity found in something from the world around us, something that we do or are? Or by being Jesus' disciples and a child of God? And do we feel sometimes that we have failed Jesus? Are we sorry about that? And are we prepared for that relationship to be reinstated? Then hear and respond to Jesus' call to follow him. For that relationship to be reinstated by his gracious acceptance of us just as we are. For Peter and for us, failure isn't final. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet your tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like me his praise should sing. Amen.